We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks opening night matchup against the Boston Celtics, the first pregame pod of the 2023-24 season. Who else to kick off or tip off the Knicks season than the division rival Boston Celtics? And who else to talk about this team? And then our good friend, a returning guest, Jack Simone of the How About Them Celtics podcast. He's also a writer for Celtics blog. I'm going to leave this all in because I don't know if you could hear it. There is banging going on in my building at the moment. So I can't wait to, to I want to put, get this pot up as soon as possible. So if you guys hear that in the background, I apologize. Um, if this is your first time listening to a pregame pod, what we like to do usually is preview the upcoming matchup by talking about what the team has, that the Knicks are playing has recently done in their most recent games. Well, the Celtics in their most recent games that mattered lost in the conference finals to the Miami Heat. That's something we share as Knicks fans looking at that zombie Heat team from last year. I have no idea how our better team beat them. So there's obviously a lot to talk about with the Celtics in their offseason, the move for Kristaps Porzingis, the trade for Drew Holiday, the championship aspirations. Another thing I like to do is point to the obvious Knicks against the opponent connections. Now, this is a very easy one because of who the team is. This is a division rival. This is New York, Boston, which in all the sports, they have many connections. Um, Christoph Porzingis is, it speaks for itself. Former number four pick for the Knicks is now the center for the Boston Celtics. Zvima Hailuk and Luke Cornett, former Knicks, are also in Boston at the moment. There's the Emmanuel Quickly Malcolm Brogdon thing from a year ago. The Winner and runner-up for sixth man of the year. And you know how we feel about the order that that was decided. And you get to hear how Jack and Boston Celtics fans feel about that order in just a little bit. There's the Garden rivalry, too, that Boston fans think they have the real or better Garden, like the Garden. Uh, I would have... I would have heard this argument if the old Boston Garden still existed, which here's a Nick Celtic connection. The last game ever played in Boston Garden, the original one before this new TD North Bank Garden, whatever it's called now. Um, 
before this one was built. Uh, but that old one actually had some history and prestige in it. This one has three trips to the finals and one loss. So it's it's more like the Yankee Stadium argument where the old Yankee Stadium, like Babe Ruth played there, Joe DiMaggio played there, Mickey Mantle played there. I understood why there was prestige and history and honor for the old Yankee Stadium. This new one's a mall and like the 09, like it's the house A-Rod built as far as I'm concerned. I get it. Like Derek Jeter played a lot of his career there too. And there are like are great things that have happened there, but it's not, it's not the same Yankee stadium. So I, it's just like not even close. It's the inferior garden, especially to the world's most famous arena, which like that does come up in this pod. It's not discussed as much, but the, the garden rivalry is of course existing there. And then this is, Yet another matchup between New York and Boston on opening night two years ago, the double overtime matchup where Evan Fournier went off and the Knicks won in double overtime. Um, Marcus Smart hitting a three and getting a double bang from uh, Mike Breen on national television to send the game into overtime. Uh, there's another matchup of the Knicks and Celtics on opening night that I remember. And it's uh, right after the lockout in 2011, it was on Christmas day because it was a 66 game shortened season and Mello went off and the Knicks won, I believe one Oh five, one Oh three at the garden. Um, and I'm sure in the past, these two teams have matched up on opening night before, but it's rare that these two teams have matched up on opening night and they're both been good. So, um, all that being said, it's time to preview for the first time this year a matchup that the New York Knicks will play in a game that matters. So here is my conversation with Jack Simone of How About Them Celtics. Enjoy. Jack Simone, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I feel honored. The first one of the season. I, I feel like that's some big shoes to fill. I got to like bring my A game here. It is. <laughs> it is. Now, you're... Your team had some big shoes to fill this season after they some uh, a deep run in the playoffs last year, which I, I would assume ended in disappointment, which I mean, yeah, <laughs> to be in a world where the conference finals is a disappointment. Uh, but I recognize championship expectations for the Celtics. And then you added uh, one of our old friends, Kristaps Porzingis. And yeah. then before the, the clock struck midnight, Drew Holiday, uh, right before media day. So I usually start these pregame pods with this question, Jack. And it's a loaded one, but how are the vibes over in Boston? And uh, specifically, like, is the... Are you guys able to enjoy or look forward to this season (laughs) knowing the expectations that come with it? Vibes are high. Vibes are at an all-time high. I mean, I've been at practices this year. It's Fortunately, this is my first year doing it, so I've been oh, nice. very lucky. But everything you hear is this has been the best training camp we've had. You know, this we we all feel great. We're all ready for the season. Jalen Brown said it today. Uh, Drew Holiday said it. KP said Kristaps Porzingis has not stopped smiling since being mm. in Boston. My friend or my co-host, I should say, Sam LaFrance, who I host How About Them Celtics with, he calls him a rescue puppy because the Celtics are... He's, fi- he's finally in a place where he can like, win a title. Uh, I mean, I oh, asked man. him... After the first preseason game, I asked Porzingis, I was like, how's it feel to you know, play in the garden? He just goes, oh, it's, it's crazy, man. It's like, they're so loud. It's like, he's just, he's all smiles. Tatum's hype. The whole team is ready to go. Um, another former Knicks, Fima Kylie, also in town. So we took mm. two, two former Knicks, if you want. You Luke Cornette, yeah, you got plenty Luke on three. the team. There's yeah, another. Yeah. Um, but yeah, v- vibes are high. Everyone's feeling good. Although I will say something that we've discussed ad nauseum uh, on How About Them Celtics is, there's it's it's a weird sensation 
when the team's expectations are so high because wins are often met with relief and losses are felt with sadness. You know what I'm saying? Like if you win a game, Oh, you should have won the game because you're the best mm. team. Right. Like, it, but if you lose to, I'll just throw the Hornets under the bus because let's be honest, the Hornets kind of sink. Uh, <laughs> you lose to the Hornets. They're the team to say, yeah. <laughs> In this they're like it's a disaster right and so you look at the eastern conference finals last year the way the celtics went out like you said it's hard to call the eastern conference finals a disappointment but when the expectations were so high that's kind of what it was regardless of oh they almost came back from down 3-0 you know tatum's ankle they could have had it like it's just it's that relief if they win versus disappointment if they if they lose so it's like that's sort of the balance but right now with the new team and everything the vibe within the team is at an all-time high i'd say did it matter the the postseason run ending to the heat did it matter that it was a team you've battled in the playoffs before and specifically this eighth seeded version of the heat because i I feel like that's the one common ground we actually have from last year's playoffs yeah. is like us two and Milwaukee fans. We're just looking up at each other. Like, I don't know how we lost this series. They, they have all these shooters that had terrible uh, years. There were eight seed that lost to the Hawks. Like, I don't know what they, they were a bad three minutes away from losing to the Bulls. And then they were in the NBA finals. Is, mm-hmm. Does that make it even worse? He are so annoying, man. It's yes, just like, well, just Indeed, why? Like, like and, and it's different for every series, right? Like the Bucks got Jimmy who just killed them right and uh, you guys sort of just got a, a mixture of everything in that series and the Celtics got Michael Jordan Caleb Martin who's just like I was in the room when people were talking about like oh who'd you vote for Eastern Conference Finals and like it was like a split vote for Caleb Martin and Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler I, I thought Caleb Martin and it wasn't won. a like, crazy conversation no, to have yeah not yeah. at all and so it's just it's so fr- and then for them to like <sighs> I don't want to discredit the Nuggets because the Nuggets were crazy, but then for them to go out there and just like uh, be like mid the same mid team, like it was so frustrating. Like, mm-hmm. I, and the worst part is, I don't know if you feel the same way. Maybe it's just me. Like, I don't hate Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler's super funny. Like he's just a cool mm-hmm. guy to root for, except when he's playing your team, because then it's not fun. Well, so the frustrating part from the Knicks perspective, they largely control Jimmy. Like they largely mm-hmm. focus their defensive game plan on we're not going to let Jimmy be what he was to the Bucks, and to to Tibbs credit but also to his fault the way that he generated offense was off of Jimmy Butler double teams so it was never like Jimmy Butler hurt his ankle game one and then he came back hobbled for games three four five and six and the game plan never changed so while Jimmy was limited which was the objective they then were able to play four on three the rest of the time and the undrafteds as we called them <laughs> killed the Knicks for the rest of the series. So yeah. like apologies on behalf of the Knicks that we got Caleb Martin started in the, the conference semis, but you know, to <laughs> the rest is history. Um, I, I do want to ask this is before we get into some specific players, because like you're the Celtics are where the Knicks want to be. And we're, mm. we hopefully after a trade or maybe some luck, um, eventually can be in the conversation for contenders, but like what does a disappointing season look like for the Celtics? Is it as simple as you don't win a title or if like it's a hard fought seven game series against the bucks where like you can't, like it has to end in a title this year. It's got to be a championship. Like you can kind of look at it like the past X amount of seasons, however many it's been Tatum's whole career, basically conference finals, good season, not conference finals, bad season. If you go all in like the way the Celtics have 
The, the only three players left from when Brad Stevens took over the team two years ago are Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Peyton Pritchard. Everyone else is gone. The whole like they've completely remade this roster. Brad Stevens has to give Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown the best possible chance to win a championship. The the tax bill is going to be through the roof, especially when they have to pay Drew Holiday and Derek White in the next two seasons. <clears throat> One of the most expensive teams in the league. If they don't win a championship this year, I don't care if they go to game seven with the Nuggets and lose on a buzzer beater. That's a disappointment. You mm-hmm. like th- there is no other middle ground anymore. If the Celtics don't win this season's a failure and not even from the, because I'm very much, if you put up a good fight, it, it's hard to call a season a complete fa- failure. Like as much as it was corny, Giannis is statement. Giannis, like, I, yeah. I, I understood it, but <laughs> there, hold, you on, hold on, you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. It's not a failure if we don't win a title. Also, I'm going to hold you over a barrel on a press tour all summer that this might be my last year in Milwaukee unless you trade for Dame. And then I'll sign an extension. And then I'll sign the $60 yeah, million. Funny year. how that worked out. Yeah, but yeah. continue. continue. Um, the, the difference is like the Bucks losing the first round is a failure. Like, I'm sorry, but like by all metrics, if the Celtics do go to what I like the fake example I made, game seven with the Nuggets mm-hmm. and a buzzer beater, like, you make it that far, it's hard to call it failure, but it's mainly a failure because you don't know if you can bring this team back for many more years because of the money. So like this, you have to win this year or else you might not be able to try again, right? Like that's the reason I think it'll be a failure because Drew Holiday makes so much money. Derek White makes is going to make so much money. The Jays, like there's a lot in play here. So it's it's really title or bust. So then to the Knicks fan that doesn't know what bust looks like, what happens if they don't win a title? <laughs> I, I'm of the camp that I think ownership is just going to spend and and bring Drew Holiday back and bring Derek White back. Like I, I do think they will bring it back, but there is a chance that they're like, if they don't win this year, like if they, I'm going to keep bringing up the hypothetical scenario because mm-hmm. I, I think it's the best version. Yeah, of they lose in the finals. Getting, yeah, getting close without getting there. I think they run it back. They do everything they can. They they put off all the extension deadlines. They they sign the people to expensive extensions that they need to. But if they lose in like say they crash in the first round, like say say mm. so, like the worst of the worst happens, you might have to look to trade one of the top guys because you can't support this tax bill if you're not going to be up there every season in in the uh, the title race. And that's where it gets tricky because then is it? I've heard I forget if it was Zach Lowe or Brian Windhorst in one of those podcasts mm-hmm. floated the the idea around of like, did they bring in Drew Holiday so they could potentially trade Jalen Brown and split up that money? Is it like what does the future look like if the Celtics don't win? So that's where it gets complicated because Drew Holiday needs an extension uh, after this season, I believe. Derek White needs an extension by the end of next season. Um, Tatum needs his extension this summer, which he'll sign. Which is, I mean, you give Tatum the max and you don't look back, obviously. But like, it's going to get very expensive very fast. Um, so yeah, it's, it's you got to win. You be, that's my Sam always says. How about the Celtics? They better win. <laughs> which I don't know where I'm at yet on my my predictions for the playoffs. I do have the Celtics. I believe I have the Celtics as my one seed prediction. Um, nice. <laughs> before we get into some specific players, the last question about like the overall outlook, does the way last year's playoffs went scare you at all? That it really did become like this, this leveled playing field throughout the regular season that we all were wondering how much it would translate over to the regular, to the postseason, And then a seven seed and an eight seed get to the conference finals. And, <laughs> you know, it, it looks like there's, there's more parity. Now, do you think the, do you think that because of the trades that both you and Milwaukee, the Celtics and Milwaukee made that, that cancels that out a bit? Or are you worried about like the, the competitive nature of the Eastern conference? 
I think you have to worry about it at least a little bit. I think the East isn't as strong as the West, and I don't think there are as many as those teams that could kind of just like blow up a series. I also think the moves the Celtics made to improve their roster sort of addressed some of the weaknesses they had in the playoffs. Like last year, Horford and Brogdon were like top five and three point percentage of the regular season. And then they both dropped 10% from three in the playoffs, Mm. right? There was no backup plan. It was make your threes or lose the game. And that's how the Celtics played. And I, I think they'll play that way again this year. But now you have Porzingis out of the post. You have Drew Holiday making his own, uh, creating his own shots. You can hopefully uh, go to Jalen Brown, the mid-range more. Sam Cassell's been working with Tatum on his post game. So Joe Mazzulla all preseason has been emphasizing the word curveball, saying like, I was throwing fastballs last year. He said on the JJ Redick pod, I need to have curveball, curveballs. We need to have things that we can throw out there when our original plan doesn't work. And so I think... For the playoffs, it's less of a, are other teams going to come up the pipeline and upset the Celtics and more of the Celtics being able to account for those challenges rather than just, if you miss your threes, you lose. Cause that's, that's what it was last year. I, I really enjoyed the Missoula pod with Reddick, by the way. The, He's great this year. The He's fact fun. that I, I need JJ to get Tibbs on just so I can <laughs> see if he can be the one to to peel back the the layers yeah. of that onion. Um, but I walked away much more impressed with with Joe. I did walk away also realizing how young he was that he spoke to JJ a lot like a peer, which yeah. which makes sense because he's younger than JJ Redick. So it's thirty five, yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. So that 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 element is obviously there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So let's talk about the curveballs that uh, the Celtics can throw this year. Um, And one of them, we'll, we'll start with... Former Nick, number four over fourth overall pick. Uh, I imagine, and this is no disrespect. I guess this, this is unavoidably actually very disrespectful to <laughs> Dallas and to Washington. But this will be the first time KP's in a home building that the atmosphere can reach unparalleled levels. You know the. The, it's not the garden, but it is, you know, a version of Boston Garden <laughs> that um, that the Celtic playoff atmosphere is outstanding. I will give that credit. Um, and he obviously got drafted to Madison Square Garden and he's talked many times about that's the biggest thing he misses and wishes he 
if he has any thoughts or regrets or do-overs he'd want to have, it's like, I, I love playing at the Garden. That was like a great thing to to play my home games there. Um, what have you seen from him that like you hinted at it, that he's just like excited and smiling. Um, mm-hmm. What have you seen from him, at least in the preseason? Because obviously Knicks fans, although we did watch two Celtics preseason games. It's true. So yeah. It's now think about it, we actually did get one good look at KP. <laughs> um, how do you think they're going to use him that he will be excited more to play in this type of environment because he's not going to get the usage that he got in Washington. But I guess what I'm trying to ask Mm -hmm. is like, how will he be used this year that that smile won't disappear? You know, Mm -hmm. fun fact. Also, they put on the Jumbotron. The Boston Garden was originally the Boston Madison Square Garden. So it's kind of like another thing. But uh, Sam will go to Sam will fight to his deathbed that it's the better garden, which we don't have to get into here. Uh, No one goes to Boston (laughs) to visit the world's most famous arena. All right. right. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Tell him that. The next one. Guess who's going to be my next Celtics guest? It has to be Sam now. And I know he's like very much more like pro Boston. And I'll just, I may have to wear a Yankee hat, which is like, against everything I believe in because I'm a Mets fan. So maybe I'll just, I'll wear a 1986 shirt. How's that? <laughs> there you go. No, there but go. K- KP's been doing everything. Literally every time he gets asked about what the difference is, he just goes, it's crazy, man. I'm always open. Cause like T- Tatum has mm. a defender. Jalen Brown has a defender. Like I'm just always open. And it's just, true like he's just always open right they're throwing guys at Tatum at Brown at Drew Holiday at Derek White and Porzingis is just spotting up from 30 feet draining threes like it's nothing he's cutting he, he's playing out of the post he's hitting his mid-range shots he's going for alley-oops he's crossing guys up and getting to the rim like he's doing all of the things that made him that helped him have a career year in Washington last year but with more space, like all, all the def- all the defenders could key on him, uh, key in on him with the Wizards because, frankly, they had nobody else playing outside of Kyle Kuzma because Bradley Beal was out most of the year. They're not going to be able to do that on the Celtics because they're going to have to guard Tatum, Brown, and Holiday, and all these guys. And if you have the choice, you're going to throw your best defender at Jason Tatum and probably your second best defender, unless it's a big man, at Jalen Brown. That's just how it's going to work. And so, Kristaps Porzingis is going to have. All of these new opportunities in his fall, you might not be as high, but I think you'll see his efficiency even take a spike. And it was great last year. He shot like 50, 40 from the field in three. And I, I think he's going to shoot even better. Like Sam's had this running joke because of how good Porzingis has looked that he's going to win MVP this year. The odds are like plus 15,000. So if you really want to, you know, get in on some action, but it's it, the way he's looked and how easy the game has come to him sparks the conversation of could the Celtics have three all-stars because he's been that good. Like mm-hmm. he should, he shot like 65% from the field and 48% from three in the preseason. And I'm not saying he's going to do that for 82 games. And I'm not, not saying he's even going to play 82 games, but he was like obscenely efficient in the preseason. And even those, even if those could go back down to 50, 40, like he's going to average 20 points on the most efficient shooting you're going to see out of a big man in the NBA while also playing great defense. Cause he's been amazing on that end too. So the floor is just completely open for him. They're using him as an extra outlet. They, I think they've talked about using him out of the post more. So when their threes aren't falling, they have that extra place to go to on offense. Like he just, he fits in so well. I, I think you'll see more threes, but surprisingly also the same amount of interior shots because they need to diversify their offense and having him in the lineup is their way to do that. Well, another way to diversify your offense, although it might actually look a lot similar with Drew Holiday kind of just replacing Marcus. Yeah, um, something to shoot. <laughs> that's that exactly. And I that. love Marcus. Big Marcus so fan. But. That's where I'm going with this next is yeah. 
But let's start with losing Marcus Smart because lifelong Celtics drafted by the Celtics. Yeah. Take me through your emotions the day that it was announced that they were trading him. So it hurt more because I was really out on Brogdon mm. and it was first reported that they were going to trade oh, Brogdon. Wow. And so we are a big hate the Clippers podcast now because they screwed it. And then they <laughs> reportedly tried to get him again, which is mm-hmm. like, you, anyways, we don't have to get into anyway. That. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, so I didn't start like, watching the Celtics consistently until like 2013, right? I just missed the KG big three Paul Pierce round era. Cause my dad was really into baseball when I was a kid. I think we talked about this last time. We did. Yeah. But so Marcus smart was like one of the first rookies that I was like, Oh, this guy is coming in. He's cool. So for me personally, and for Sam as well and everybody, I, I think our age and everyone in the community, like it was kind of heartbreaking because he's Marcus Smart, not only like an awesome player on the court with his defense, obviously defense player year, the hustle, all those stuff that people outside of Boston are probably sick of hearing about, but he's also just like an amazing person off the court. Like he did so much for the community. So that part sucked, frankly, to see him go. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's about it, but like you had to rationalize the Celtics traded Marcus Smart and a second for Kristaps Porzingis and a first and a sec, like it was phenomenal value. It yeah. just sucked that Marcus smart was the one that was had to go, especially when the Brogdon deal was still on the table. And then it was, cause that, that would have been perfect. But then you have the dilemma based on what happened after, which I'm sure we'll get into of, well, would you have traded Marcus smart for drew holiday? And the Celtics fan as a kid in me says no, but the basketball tries to analyze the aim says, yeah, you probably should because drew holiday is really good. So that, that's where the tough part comes in, but losing smart was tough. So this does lead to my next question, which is also for me to ask your reaction um, on that Sunday. Now, the ironic part is that as a Knicks fan, we we go through the cycle anytime somebody is available. Like, are the Knicks interested in this? Should the Knicks do this? <laughs> because that's just like what people do with the Knicks is like the Knicks are going to trade for star X. So when Drew Holiday was available, it was like, well, what's the trade we should offer? And then you see what the Celtics offered and it's like, well, they could have beat it, but they're not ready to beat it. So when the Celtics did beat any potential offer the Knicks would have made, what was your thoughts? So the night before I stayed up super late helping my sister with a paper and trust me, this has context. Okay. And I texted my brother and I said, Henry, wake me up by this time. Or if the Celtics trade for Drew Holiday, he comes bursting into my room and goes, Jack, I'm like, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. I was amped. I was so excited. I I love Drew Holiday. I I think he's awesome. He's the perfect fit. Brad Stevens said it during media day, or or, sorry, during Holiday's introductory presser. He goes, I used to go into Danny Ainge's office and say, can we trade for Drew Holiday? And now I got to trade for Drew Holiday. Um, A lot of people were split on giving up Robert Williams. A lot of people were like, ah, it's two first. What do they do? One of the first was the Warriors first. So it's not like they, they traded their whole future. The other one was pretty far into the future, which is fine. Losing Rob is tough. But he's, he's hurt all the time, frankly. Like he, he just mm-hmm. couldn't stay on the court. So that, that limits the value there. Um, and then Brogdon is Brogdon, but you have Derek White and Pritchard, who's been really good. Um, he's just, he is the perfect fit. He is Marcus Smart with the jump shot. And you can talk about, oh, he doesn't shoot well in the playoffs. Marcus Smart shots better than him in the playoffs. Drew Holiday will also now have more space than he's ever had in his entire career to shoot open threes. So that's a trade-off. But in terms of the defense, in terms of the offensive profile, in terms of the playmaking, 
again, like I said, Porzingis is the perfect big man. Maybe it's biased because it happened, but it's hard to think of a better point guard to fit next to Tatum and Brown. And honestly, it's hard to think of a better point guard to fit on literally any team that yeah. needs help on defense or offense. He's like, he's the most well-rounded point guard in the NBA. He might, he might be the best two-way point guard in the NBA. So if you have the chance to trade for him, you trade for him, especially when you have the chance to do the funniest thing ever and say, you got Dame, we're going to take your guy so he can guard Dame, which is mm-hmm. just I, not enough people are talking about. That's so awesome. That's so funny. <laughs> so there's two things I want to get. I've gotten your in the moment reaction to. Yes. But there's been a lot of chatter about the Celtics and I, I want to get your response to some of the chatter and specifically the first thing I want to ask is what do you say to someone that um, would say that Robert Williams is uh, injury prone but then you you traded for Chris Alps Porzingis who's not super healthy what is your response to that uh, it's totally fair that's a very fair criticism um, I would say Porzingis has been weirdly enough healthier like he's probably been healthier than Kristaps Porzingis he played 65 games last year which is his most since his sophomore season 51 the year before and then he struggled in Dallas to stay healthy Robert Williams has had one healthy season his entire career one like like ever mm-hmm. <laughs> he played they made the finals but one correlated with yeah. the other yeah exactly 61 games that year other than that 32 29 52 35 like I also say if you're going to go from one big man to the other Porzingis is just objectively the better player. Like it, he just is. He's he's not the all def- like Rob has an all defensive nod uh, on his resume, but Porzingis is a twenty point per game all star who is still great on the defensive end. Not only that, but the Celtics traded their two non shooters for two forty percent three point shooters. Like Brad Stevens said, okay, Joe Mazzulli, you want to shoot threes? All of these guys can shoot threes. Literally. <laughs> Everyone can shoot threes. Like that's going to be a nightmare to guard. You just said it like, oh, the Knicks would just, you know, lag off Robert Williams. There's no lagging off guys anymore. Everyone can shoot. The whole roster can shoot the ball. Um, so it's a valid concern. Porzingis injury history. But I also think you can split games if you need to rest him. You know, Horford can play some. He can play some. Uh, you can run no, smaller. No, not, not, in, not this season. We're playing basketball <laughs> this year, according to this Adam Silver. Well, not those two. They don't fall under the qualifications because they have to be an all-star in the last three seasons, and neither of them have been. So uh, the can technically get away with it. But, okay. um, Got it. but uh, yeah, you can sort of split those. And Porzingis said that he's committed to playing as many games as he can, which you take with a grain of salt because that's what he says. But it does sound like he's like all in on playing as much as he can. So it can all go downhill fast. I could come back in X amount of days and say, well, this sucks. But you trade it. You, you flip two injury-prone guys one for the other and one's better. That, that's kind of the response. So you brought up the shooting and like, so Drew Holiday, while I, I do think he's like a really good regular season player, what do you say to mm. someone that brings up what he's been just shooting wise? I think what happened with Jimmy, like Scotty Pippen in his prime probably isn't he, stopping Jimmy Butler in that series. And I, I'm more go to the, the hell that Holiday made Tatum and Brown's life during the conference semis the year before and during that entire finals trip for (laughs) Milwaukee against every point of attack guard that he needed to defend. However, when someone brings up Drew Holiday's shooting struggles in the last couple of playoffs, your response is what? Um, My response is that in Milwaukee, he almost had to do a little bit too much. Like with Middleton hurt, Mm -hmm. he was the second option, which as great as Drew Holiday is, 
he's not a score first player. He can score. He can fill it up. He's dropped 40 against the Celtics before because of course he has, but he's not like, let me go get you buckets every possession. Let me run the offense every possession. Let me do this every possession. And in Milwaukee, without Middleton there, he had to be their go-to three-point guy. And so teams could just focus in on him as much. He's not going to have to do that in Boston. He's not even going to have to do that in Boston as the third option or the, like, or the fourth option some nights. I think Derek White's going to put up a better statistical season than Drew Holiday this season. I am obscenely high on Derek White, so we can like that's its own thing. But... He, he like he's just not going to have that pressure. I do think it's a concern. It's not something you can completely brush off. Like if he doesn't shoot well in the playoffs, we're going to run into the same situation that you know you saw last year with Horford and Brogdon, where their three point numbers fell off, and you can't have everyone play poorly. But that's when you go into the okay, Porzingis out of the post, okay, Tatum out of the post. You know, Brown hit a midi. You know, Drew Holiday can get downhill driving to the hoop, and he can get in the post too because he's a bigger guard. So I think there will be other options on the Celtics team that those Bucks teams didn't necessarily have um, to sort of. What what's the word like get over the hump of holiday not being the best three-point shooter in the playoffs and I, I think it'll be easier for him to be a three-point shooter in the playoffs with the Celtics because they'll have more space so I've made this entire recording so far without mentioning that the highest paid player in NBA history now plays <laughs> for the Boston Celtics um, and when I asked you last year about why the advanced metrics what did I say Uh-oh. don't love him uh had Explain to me why the advanced metrics don't love him. The live ball turnovers exist. There's like a running gag on the fun world of Twitter about his left hand and Mm -hmm. whether he can dribble with it. Uh, And he will make more money than anybody has ever. Now, like it's a it's a weird joke to make because next year's extensions are going to pass him significantly. Um, Giannis, if the length of this contract was uh, a full five years that he just got, it would have also Mm -hmm. passed Jalen Brown. But um, where are Celtics fans right now on Jalen Brown? I would say they're better now after the other moves. Celtics fans were very split, I would say, when it happened. Mm Mm-hmm. I am of the camp that you can't not do it. You can't not pay Jalen Brown. You can't not bring him back to Boston. He is your second best player for all his flaws. He is still a 26 point per game scorer who is cash from the mid range. And in like another guy that defenses have to focus on. We went back and forth last season. We being like me and, and some friends of mine from the media and everything like saying like, you know, the defense has fallen off a little bit. What is this? What is this? And one of my friends uh, camped about to buy your rights for Celtics Wire of USA Today. He said, Jalen Brown is becoming a better version of a worse player in the mm. sense that he was a three and D guy throughout the first X amount of years of his career. And now he is a score first bucket getter. And so he is less efficient from three and his defense has trailed off, but he's, he's a bucket. And I think with this new look Celtics team, you have a chance to let him just focus on that. Like Jalen Brown can just be swing the ball if he needs to, but if he gets the ball, he's a bucket and everybody else can, can scramble from there. Like you have an easy offense. It's sort of like a better three point shooting, slightly better defender, DeMar DeRozan in a sense. Cause he, he like, I said it last year and we'll see if I stand by it. I kind of just kind of go with it. Cause I said it, but if you give them the ball in their spots with the ability to get to their spot. I think Jalen Brown is a better bucket than Jason mm. Tatum. 
Like, like wow. he, he's, just, he's just money. Like you, you get him in that, that mid range with somebody on his back. Like he's not going to miss the shot. He shot like top five in the league from that area uh, last year. And the others were DeRozan Durant. Like <laughs> that's, that's right up there. So I think you have the chance to allow Jalen Brown to focus in on that area of a game and of his game and not have to worry about the playmaking and other things too much. But I wrote a whole article this summer about how the playmaking is bad. And it's the, the key to his taking it to the next level. I wrote it last season. It's funny because I wrote something I'm rambling now, but I wrote something at the beginning of last season saying like <clears throat> Jalen Brown or the tale of two Jalen Browns is what I titled it. Talking about his, his struggles with off ball defense, how he was a bucket, but he, he just, he, he's not there. Sometimes he turns the ball over. I got more hate and vitriol in my mentions than you would ever believe. Oh, no. And then, Fast forward to Game 7 and Conference Finals. Look what happens, right? And I'm not praying on his downfall, right? I like Jalen Brown as a player. He's a good, he's a good guy, obviously. But th- there is that concern that he's going to turn the ball over. He's not the best ball handler, all these things. But I, I think you have the chance to minimize those mistakes with the team around him now. Which, look, that's going to be, uh, from my perspective, that's going to be like the the MO of the Celtics is that we have mm. so many weapons that yeah. guys are just going to be putting positions to succeed if you're healthy every night. Um, the the preseason game the Knicks played against them in Boston, while the Knicks sent their their C-plus team, uh, the Celtics played their entire rotation, which I was mm-hmm. a bit confused by. Like, don't show us anything where you're opening that opponent, but I also I, I got to see it and was like, oh, this is this is a chance to be unstoppable if it wants to be. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really curious after we play each other on opening night, what like what the Celtics record will be the next time? I haven't looked when they play each other next, but like if they when they play each other later in the season, will they have five losses? Will they have ten losses? <laughs> like um, how high that goes? Two questions before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. One important one: um, Who was the six man? Who should have won six man of the year last year? <laughs> Malcolm Frog. He, 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 I'm should sorry. Should yes, okay. yes, yes. He should have. Uh, Emmanuel quickly. I obviously awesome. disagree with you. Of course, and rightfully so. I would disagree with with me if I were you too. <laughs> I don't subscribe to the idea that because Emmanuel quickly played games in the starting lineup, that he should be disqualified from mm-hmm. six minute year. I disagree with that. I do think Malcolm Brogdon had the more efficient season and was more impactful. And, and I think with a lot of these awards, it is the adding a player to the team and elevating them. And I think that's what Malcolm Brogdon did. So I think that's why he won the award. And that's why I think he deserved the award because he took the Celtics, took their flaws and fixed them and elevated them into that team. That said, Emmanuel quickly, I do love Emmanuel quickly's game and I respect it. This is, this is not meant to be anti Emmanuel quickly slender. And I don't mean to, to anger Knicks fans who are already upset <laughs> that he didn't get extended, not to poke the bear. Yeah, a little more, but, we're uh, we're, but, we're uh, not in, yeah. in a good place right now. <laughs> if, if he had me won the hardware, maybe it would have meant he needed to be extended. Although hmm. it might actually been more of a reason for his camp to say, go test free agency. Cause the, the price of the brick has, has gone up. Yeah, um, yeah I, I wanted to get a Celtics fan on record because, I mean, apologies to your mentions already. I, I want to vouch for Jack. He's, he's good. He's good people. So as an exposure, <laughs> um, I, I would have been sort of shocked if that wasn't your answer, though. And you got of that. course, you'd be shocked if I agreed with you. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously. Um, I'm doing a new thing this year on mm-hmm. uh, the pregame show because um, there's like some givens when it comes to the Knicks, like we, we know who like our, our five greatest players are and we know who, mm-hmm. um, who like the five greatest coaches are. So I wanted to get like a top five out of you and throw that, throw mm-hmm. it 
on the spot at you. So we'll start because you'll be back. So I'll come up with a a better one the next time. But five greatest Celtics ever. Go. So this is your perspective, obviously. But like who unanimously 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 would be the five and then like put them in order. Oh man, this is so tough because I think you have to, there's four that are very obvious that have to be in there. Russell bird, Pierce Havlicek have to, like period. They have so to be Pierce in has to be in there. Yeah. 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 Over Kuzi, So that's the four. over, over parish, uh, not parish. Um, why am I blanking on, uh, the power Mikhail. forward from the, Mikhail. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Bad job by me, I would probably throw <sighs> Mikhail in there as the last one over parish. I, I am not a very big on like the older thing. So a lot of people maybe you get mad at me, but I, I would throw Mikhail in there as the fifth. And the reason that I, I, I'm talking about this is those four have to be there because a big topic of conversation this summer was could Tatum eventually get on Mount Rushmore for the Celtics? Mm. And it was, would he take off Pierce or would he take off Havlicek? So like those four, I think uh, Bill and Larry, like no explanation needed. Duh. Like That's the obvious one. It's one right? and two <laughs> in any order. Yeah. And then Pierce and Havlicek, there's some debate, you know, who's higher on those rankings, who would Tatum knock off. And then for now, I'll throw McHale on there as the last. So if I had to put them in order now, I, I think these are two different questions. And I, I bring up this question whenever people talk about lists, do you want, the greatest career or the greatest player. Cause I think those are, and I, I think that's why like LeBron versus Jordan and, and, you know, Shaq over Kobe, like that stuff. I think that's an important distinction. Who means more to the frame in this specific scenario. Mm-hmm. So like Carmelo Anthony was a better Nick than uh, or just a better player. I should say than I, I don't know. Um, John Starks, like <laughs> okay. uh, Allen Houston, like he was better players than them. John Starks down Houston played in NBA finals for the Knicks, you know? So, okay, so you want means more to the franchise means more to the franchise. Okay. Then I'm going to change my answer a little bit. Uh, take Michaela. I'm going to put Tommy Heinsohn in instead. Oh, Tommy. In okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. It's got to be Tommy. So I'll probably go Bill Russell, one Larry Bird, two in that case. And then I'll go. Oh, this is where it gets tough. Cause Tommy was like the coach and all that stuff too. So you could, you could probably put Tommy three if you mm. really wanted to. And then, then you probably go Pierce Havlicek or Havlicek Pierce like those can be flipped. But like Tommy has to be in there in terms of impact and he could be in there in terms of talent, too. <clears throat> that's where it gets tough because like, I mean, there are so many good Celtics like it's it's re- truly impossible. This is like asking five. a Yankee fan, the top five greatest Yankees to an <laughs> yeah. extent because of it how rich tough. the history is. And mm-hmm. it's like like Derek Jeter, if you ask anyone my age, is the greatest Yankee ever. I, if you yeah. ask anyone with like some baseball perspective and it's like he's probably no higher than six you know like you're putting him ahead of yogi bear who won 10 world series and three mvps like granted like what the league was back then was different but um because of what the the celtics history has been you understand that uh it's a difficult question it's interesting you you have pierce in there is that is that across the fan base recognized that pierce is i would I would say so just because okay. of how long he was with the team. Like you, you don't, you don't see that as much nowadays. And even at that time, like he saw them through the dark ages. He stuck with the team. He was there the whole time. Like I, I think Pierce has that respect in Boston where like, yeah, he's, he's, he's one of those guys. I mean, he's third all time in games played like mm-hmm. in Celtics history. This isn't like, like not to, 
crap on franchises. It's like Wizards history or like Celtics history, <laughs> like third all times. He he. The only people ahead of him are Havlicek and Parrish, who has an argument too. But he played more games in a Celtics uniform than Mikhail, Russell, Kuzi, Larry Bird. Like he's he's a Celtic, and as much as he you know went to, funnily enough, the Wizards and Clippers and all those teams at the end of his career, like he's a Celtic, um, and he's still around the team this year. Like they're bringing back former Celtics, which is cool. So he's still there. <laughs> Well, you didn't even mention Brooklyn. <laughs> Listen, I'm right there. Little brother doesn't have to be mentioned. It's okay. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The last thing that I want to ask you, um, I always want to get the outsider's perspective on what the Knicks are doing. Now, you've mentioned that you thought the Knicks should, like, like jokes aside about the sixth man of the year, like Emmanuel Quickly is absolutely a valuable player on the Knicks and really good. But uh, your thought for the Knicks this year, are you, like, like, I'm assuming you would be fine playing them in a playoff series because <laughs> your team would be better. But you know, what are, what are your expectations for the Knicks this season? So we're doing our, our standings predictions. We're recording right after we're recording this. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about it then. I think they have a chance to be a top four seed in, in the East. Like I, I think they're good. I think continuity should help them regardless of the whole, Oh, Tibbs team is good one year, bad the next, like the, the flip flop button. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think continuity should help them. I love Jalen Brunson. He's awesome. Sam might be the biggest Julius Randle hater there is, but I think he's fine. Like Julius no, he's Randall's not. Cool. No, he's not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, so Knicks fans. fans. Okay. Ask okay. Knicks fans. Okay. They have done the, he is such a polarizing player because he has <laughs> ris- raised the floor of this team so high. Yes. And now it's like it, it, it has become not he's not as good as A-Rod was at baseball. But what A-Rod became come playoff time okay. for New York, that's, okay. it's worse with Julius. So gotcha. it's become that where it, he's a, the definition of an 82-game player. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. So I, I think he's fine for what he is. I'm not like saying he's a superstar, but like you got to make all-star teams, all-NBA teams. Like you respect that's him. how he's we fun. feel about him too. We, we're happy sure. with what he is. Exactly. But, but I love Brunson. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson does what he does. I love iHeart off the bench. Hartenstein's so good for what he is. Like he was somebody I wish the Celtics could have signed a couple of years mm. ago. So like he's he's a great player. DiVincenzo edition is awesome. Uh, Josh Hart's Josh Hart. Like you, it's just a roster of really solid players up and down with Julius Randle leading the charge. And obviously, quickly like we were talking about the Celtics in, in, in the context of oh you can just go out the mismatch because everybody in the starting five for the Celtics can score. The Celtics, uh, excuse me, the Knicks don't really have a necessarily weak spot uh like everyone can defend at least at a decent level where you can't just like say oh yeah that's the guy we're attacking even Jalen Brunson's who's a little undersized like he's a strong dude right like you're not going to go through Jalen Brunson easily so <clears throat> I think if the Knicks lock in on defense and then play well enough offensively where they can get over the Julius Randle the theatrics or whatever you want to call it on offense mm-hmm. I don't know he's I don't know what you guys player. Player. No, he's an emotional yeah, player but, yeah uh we call it the I run think, the jewels offense, by the way. Okay, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Um, 
I think it'll come down to the Knicks for how efficient their offense is and how fluid it is. In my opinion, as an outsider, like I, I think the defense will be there. Like Tibbs is the coach, and they have solid defenders like Josh Hart, RJ Barrett. For what he is, he's a good defender. Like he's fine. Mitchell Robinson can defend, so I think they'll be fine on that end. It's can you find other ways to score than Jalen Brunson go to the basket and and do that? Like Jalen Brunson doing that stuff. <laughs> so it's funny you say that because. A lot of the discourse last year for the Knicks, well, amongst Knicks fans, mm. like they finished top three in offensive rating. So what they became, especially after the Josh Hart trade, that they were number one in offense, number two in net rating behind like Denver. And yeah. it became an efficient offense too, because um, like they were seventh in effective field goal percentage and true shooting. Um, but the defense dropped off and they were like 18th in, in defense mm. by the time the season ended. Um, but the, the way they were able to kind of, uh, they were not trick the numbers or trick the math, but they just took advantage of offensive rebounds, which became like a weapon in how they did it because of like everybody's crashing the boards. Um, And we saw what happened in the Cleveland series. Cavs fans are seething. (laughs) Just the fact that they had that. And that's why it felt bad to an extent, like by the fifth game, when Mobley and Allen are both doubling Mitchell Robinson on a rebound, Josh Hart, Julius Randle, just like by themselves. Like, all right, we'll take this rebound. Why not? Um, It became a weapon. And Mm -hmm. you wonder if come playoff time as the rounds get later, and you could kind of stop that. Like Spo just did it perfectly. It's like, oh, so Mitch is going to get an offensive rebound. We'll foul him. Like every time you get an offensive rebound, you're going to go to the line. And then a 50% free throw shooter will yeah. shoot 50% from the line. Um, you wonder if they can, and this is really a Tibbs question. Can they come up with a creative enough offense that could generate buckets without needing to, yeah, you know, be, be kind of a, a, a one trick pony with the offensive rebounds in the, in the postseason, which, you know, it's why you go get DiVincenzo. You, it's why that's you what I was just going to say, hopefully find better, uh, hopefully lean on better shooting. And like RJ Barrett for as good as he was in the playoffs was horrific last season when it came to his efficiency. So, you know, the hope is that some of that, that FIBA Barrett we saw and some of the, the playoff Barrett we saw carries over. Um, I'm curious if these two teams meet each other in the second round, if like what that they series could. would look like, you know, I think there's a chance they could. And I think it'd be a good series. And I think the Knicks would probably annoy Celtics fans enough to the point where they're getting frustrated. I do maybe bias think the Celtics are the better team. I don't know if you want to oh, I do too. Bias, I, okay. I acknowledge they're <laughs> the better team. I, mm. I, they, there's such an unstoppable version of the Celtics that I it just feels foolish yeah. to say the Knicks would have a chance in that series. I do wonder if there's a moment in that series where it's a like game two and the Knicks steal it, right? Where it's like, oh, they'd oh. be annoying. I, I think they're they're the type of team that would make Celtics fans like, God, like why? Like these guys yeah. throwing inside. I, I think they would bring a heat esque irrit, irrit, irritability, whatever you want to call it, irritation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think that I do have a question for you though. Good. Are are the Villanova Knicks going to sign Jeremiah Robinson Earl? Maybe, maybe. The, <laughs> this, we're recording this what Monday night, so if so he gets signed before that, but maybe by the time this drops tomorrow, this that, that will have happened. the The funny thing is the like Mikael Bridges is over there in Brooklyn in obscure in, in Siberia, and 
they like he's the one missing link of the Villanova Knicks. That how many first round picks would you trade if you're the Knicks for Mikael Bridges? See, I can't even. <laughs> that's never gonna happen. They've never made a trade. Like no. they almost traded Doctor J to the Knicks, and then <laughs> they never made a trade since. Like the RJ, last time, RJ Barrett and five first for Mikael. Which Bridges. that's not getting it done. Well, that oh, five <laughs> picks might get it done, but like. It's not going to happen. He's not okay. going to. Now, I'm I'm not going to speak fully in absolutes. Like, a, like, to be serious about it, I'm sure there would be a deal. It could work. But Stefan Marbury famously wanted to go to New York when he was in Minnesota, got traded to the Nets, and had to go get traded for Jason Kidd to Phoenix to then get traded to the <laughs> Knicks. Like, there's no direct path here. Now... You know, yeah. we'll see. Um, I think the Nets are gonna build around Mikael. Uh, yeah, Mikael yeah. Bridges, and they can, they can. The Villanova boys can have their reunions at, at many a restaurant in Dumbo or or <laughs> wherever in Manhattan yeah. uh, when they can. Um, do you have any other Knicks questions before we get done? Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I, I was really. I'm just really interested in the whole Nick's Julius Randle relationship because like that first year he was this guy like yeah like this mm-hmm. guy he did it finally back and now it's like is there a trade package out there like so <laughs> the the funny thing about Julius is that first year was so emotionally important just for the yes. city in yeah. general because we were coming off of like that was the first that was a pandemic year yeah. and the first thing that New York had that was like a distraction from what the pandemic was, was the Knicks being fun and good and exciting. Yeah. And Julius Randall having a career year. Like there was a Derek point Rose, during like, there Derek, a Rose, the yeah. we here season is what they call it. And that is, those are two words that were quoted by Julius Randall. And yeah. he was like our guy. And when he was bad in the playoffs, it wasn't even we're mad at him. It's like when he failed, we failed with him. We felt we mm-hmm. felt for him in that. And it's like, oh man, I feel bad that my guy didn't come through in the clutch. And then the next year happened. And he was like, thumbs down. And I hate everybody because you're yeah. like, like, who are you to question me? And like nobody had fun that year, not a soul. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Brunson fixed a lot of that and gave the Knicks another advantage creator. Mm-hmm. And Julius was what he was last year. I largely defended Julius. Throughout the season, Fine, yeah. the playoffs became, and this I think has saved him a bit. Him injuring that ankle, so he he sprained his ankle right before the playoffs. Yeah, played throughout the Cavs series, and in Game Five, hurt it the exact same way. And yes. this game one against the Heat. I remember. You find out he got surgery after the series, so the way he played against the Heat, respect, yeah, was almost given a pass. Like, okay, you're the most inefficient player in playoff history but we're gonna give you a second pass yeah because you were clearly hurt in this in this playoff run i'm we're running out of passes and so i i I wonder if he how this season goes if they like say they get a four seed they win 50 games so it's like the optimistic the four seed win 50 games they beat and bead and the sixers in the first round and it's like oh wow second year in a row the team with a star that was rumored in trade trade conversations with the Knicks uh, gets eliminated by the Knicks. Um, and then they lose to Boston and Julius is awful for both series. <laughs> then like, you may have to consider going a different direction with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. I see it. I see it. I, I, I'm just curious to see how it all plays out. Cause I think the Knicks I, genuinely, I think they have a, a good roster and I, I think they will be fighting for that three, four seed with the Cavs and Philly and Miami. Um, and Hey, if Boston or Milwaukee kind of punts the regular season, like they could, they could fight for high. Like I, I think they're a, 
they're going to be a really good regular season team, but they have to figure out how to translate that into playoff mm-hmm. wins without depending on the offensive rebounding, like you said. So I, I don't know. I, I'm 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 intrigued to see how it happens. Although I will say I, I do hope they start zero and one. I just do. <laughs> well, we will see how things uh, turn out on Wednesday night, Jack. As always, mm-hmm. it's good to talk to you. Before you yeah. go, tell everybody where they can find you and your show and all your stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Jackson NBA, like you see on the screen. Uh, I host a podcast, How About Them Celtics. You can find that on that channel. You can also find it on the CLNS Media channel. But if you want it first, subscribe to How About Them Celtics. That's me and Sam LaFrance, who both of us write for Celtics blog. Uh, I have a really cool feature piece coming out for Celtics blog soon about Lamar Stevens. So if you want to see that, it's out by the time you're hearing this. So uh, you can check that out. But uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Andrew, for having us on the show or having me on the show. I, I appreciate it. It's always a good time. Sam will be here one day and yeah. I'm curious to see how, how combative that gets. He is uh, a professional hater. Uh, those are the words I'll leave you with that. He, so he'd be ready. I'm sure you're aware of Giancarlo uh, Navas down in <laughs> Miami. He, he, he has introduced himself as a hater first and yeah. second. So yeah. uh, we're well aware of the, the hater, oh, yeah. the hateration oh, yeah. and holleration that makes its way into this dancery. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, Jack as a good luck. Every Every night except Wednesday. How's that? Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. You you as well. Same to you. There you go. To you. Big shout out to Jack again for coming on today's show. Again, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, please head on over to the description of this episode. What we like to do is the KFS bump. And what I mean by that, whatever you're listening on, iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you do, but specifically iTunes or Spotify, head on over to their podcast feed. It is hyperlinked in the description and give it a five-star rating. You could put whatever you want in there. Loved you on KFS. Thanks for doing that pregame show with GMAC. The Celtics suck. We have the better garden. Whatever you want to put there, uh, make sure you give them five stars and a review. Boost their numbers. We like to do that for the people that make time for us. And I appreciate Jack for making time for me. The Knicks take on the Boston Celtics on opening night Wednesday, which I should mention, last but not least, is also my father's birthday. Uh, So to my father, many of you know him as Pastor Claudio, to my dad, uh, happy birthday, dad. I love you, and I cannot wait to get out there this weekend and say hello. I hope the Knicks get you a W for your birthday. Um, Funny fact, uh, here's the last New York-Boston connection. My dad, October 25th, his birthday, also coincides with the legendary New York-Boston game in sports history. And it's not basketball. You know I have to do this. It's baseball. Game six of the 1986 World Series in which the New York Mets defeated the Boston Red Sox, which featured a 10th inning blown lead by the Red Sox. They were up 5-3, and then it featured a ball going through Bill Buckner's legs that uh, is has been... I, I mean, it's one of the more famous images and plays in baseball history. So uh, the infamous game six of the 1986 world series happened on my dad's birthday. Uh, So dad, I hope you get something else uh, nowhere near as impactful, but hopefully as enjoyable, Uh, enjoyable uh, for this matchup. All right. That'll do it for me. If you dig this show, head over to iTunes or Spotify and give us a five-star rating and a review. I'll be back on Friday morning to preview the Knicks matchup against the Atlanta Hawks. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy this game. And I will speak with you soon. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.